they both totally have the Father's heart. They have hearts of gold. They they have a heart for the kingdom. If those things weren't true, you probably I probably wouldn't even have invited them here anyway to talk to you. But they do. They have all that and more. Um, I will. I'll just tell you first of all their names, and then and then I'm going to have Miles come up. But but first is Miles Weiss who. Is uh, who heads up a ministry called Best Shalom in uh, Novato, and uh, uh, along with his wife Catherine, who's next to, to him, um, and uh, so that they, they have. Well, I don't, are you going to tell more about it later or no? Tell them, tell them a little bit about it when you get up here. That'd be good. And next to him is Ziad, and I've never said your name out loud. S R O U J I, which is Saruji. Ziad Shruji. I've called him Ziad many, many times, but um, Pastor Shruji, <laughs> who, who uh, he is a pastor of a, a, an Arabic church in Burlingame called The Gate. And uh, these two together have an amazing message that God has given them um, that they're sharing here tonight, and God's going to be giving them a greater and greater platform. I don't want to steal all the thunder, but it's just about you know, about Jesus reconciling all things to himself, um, including Jews and Arabs and all of us. All Jews and non-Jews are going to be reconciled. All things reconciled in Christ. So it's going to be a really special night. I'm going to just start by introducing Miles. So will you please honor him, Miles Weiss. Hallelujah. Why don't you remain standing for a moment? The anointing that was here for worship, I don't want to waste the, the moment. Uh, I've noticed that God is giving us authority in the Bay Area to affect things in the heavenlies and affect what is going on in the Middle East. And so from this place of unity that we're experiencing here, what took place in worship, I want to shout out to the Lord for the salvation of the Jewish people and for the salvation of our Arab brothers as well. So if you have a shofar, get it ready. And I'm going to... Uh, chant a basic Hebrew prayer that is the central prayer of Hebrew life. And it's really a call calling us back to God. Calling us to God. And I want to be in on this together. So we're going to I'm going to say this and then we're going to shout and if you have a shofar you're going to shout with that. And we're going to believe God. Believe God with me that as we do this from here in the Golden Gate of San Francisco, that we can pray salvation into the Golden Gate of Israel for the sake of the Jews and the Arabs together. Would you believe that with me? Hallelujah. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kibod, Malchuto, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Give a shout to the Lord. Everybody. 
how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity, because there God commands the blessing. You know, sometimes in the pastoral groups that we're all part of, we, we strive for unity. And I want you to know, it's, an, it's, not a, it's not something to be striven for. It's an entrance requirement. It's the starting point. The starting point is to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, because that's where God commands the blessing. So we can affect destinies here tonight. Now, the way this meeting unfolded is too hilarious to, to comprehend. I mean, we've been walking this journey on the Israel Trail for a while. My wife and I served in the nations for years in Russia and Africa and India. We lived in Africa for a season. And we were on, on our way home from doing marriage seminars in Siberia. And a young man said, you know, you're, you're cheating your kids out of their heritage because as children of Abraham, they have a double blessing and they need to know where they've come from. So I came back and we began to hold the Shabbat and the feasts in our home and outgrew our home and started to do it out in, in churches and publicly. And along the, along the way, we realized that this reconciliation work that we do in marriage, I'm a therapist, marriage and family therapist, is completely connected to what God is wanting to do in reconciling you to God and then us to one another. So it's not just marriages and families, but it's, we're in a season of Malachi 4, where God is turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And that's not just about dads and adolescents. It is about that. But it's also about the fathers of the faith, the Jewish people, and the children of the faith, the Christians. And God is developing something now. The season that we're living in is a season unlike anything that's happened before in time. Since the Lord came, as we look closer to his return, this unity that we're experiencing here tonight is going to increase and increase. And a key component is the reconciliation between the Jews and the Arabs. That's why it's such an honor for me to walk with Ziad. It's a privilege. And the first time I met Ziad, we were at a meeting in the city, and Cindy Jacobs was there. And I, we, she had a word for me about the next generation of Messianics. And I was sitting on the front row in the corner. And I had asked earlier, has anybody heard of this guy? I heard there's this great Arab pastor in South San Francisco. He's got faith for healing, and people get healed, and all kinds of great stuff. And I really want to meet this guy. And the girl I was asking, she said, that's my pastor. He's right over there. And I couldn't get to him there. It was at the break when I sat down. I sat on that corner, and all of a sudden, I feel somebody come up next to me and kneel down and lay his head on my chest. That's the first connection I had with Pastor Ziad. And tonight, as we were worshiping, I was thinking, how do I describe him? And I, I realized, oh, behold an Ishmael in whom there is no guile. A man, a man of a pure heart, his desire to see the kingdom come and to see his will be done. And so we've determined we need to walk this out together in a more public way. We've had some moments together at conferences. We spoke together at Bethel, and, and we've done different things. But I was on my way to Israel a couple of months ago, and I said, hey, man, we got to, when I get back, we need to spend some time in prayer and just figure out how we're supposed to do this. How do we start? Where do we go? And what do we do? And I get home, and before I could call him, Pastor Brent called me and said, you know, Miles, the strangest thing happened. I was basically minding my own business, and God came to me and said, you need to have Miles and Ziad come to Blazing Fire. So, <laughs> we didn't even get a chance to pray <laughs> before Brent heard from the Lord that this is a, a starting point of a season that he wants to bring the Bay Area at least into of acknowledging this first rift in the body and feeling it at the same time. So we move beyond it because we don't want to just be in reconciliation. We want to be in relationship so God can do things, right? So that's the starting point, but... But we're going to see some things tonight and hear some things from one another, and God's going to move here. You're here with you have a, a problem in your body, problem in your soul, spirit. God wants to touch you tonight, and I'm, I'm counting on that. So this is just by way of introduction so that we can kind of get our expectation up. And without any further ado, I'm going to ask my brother, actually gets hooked up here if I bring it, and ask him to come in and speak a word to us about what's on his heart regarding this this oneness in Christ that's before us. You ready, bro? You bless him as he comes.
give a big clap to the Lord. Let's do that. Yes. Can we give a big shout to Jesus? beside you. I want you in your heart of hearts just to start praying that the power of peace will pass on from your bosom to somebody else's bosom to the generations to come. That there will be an anointing. I don't mind if you want to stretch across the aisle so you can get a greater grip of his amazing power and peace. Just do that. As we're doing that, I just want you to focus right now. Let's just focus. There's something I'm sitting down while Miles was speaking. Now, let me share a little bit about Miles, but um, what God is, is really doing. But just, just hear me out right now. Just hear me out. Um, there's a scripture that continued to pop into my spirit when Paul said, Who am I? And uh, who's Peter? Just uh, simple people. We have our own struggles, our own challenges. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm not sure why I'm here. I feel like God. I question God as God. Why am I here? Um, what's the purpose? And I believe the main purpose is that Jesus deserves all the glory. And so, therefore, let's just turn our hearts towards him. We want the real thing. We don't, we, we don't want a fabricated gospel. We're tired. We, we, we've dug so many, uh, so many wells that found no water. We fished so many times and found no fish. And, uh, I can honestly say uh, it's just going to take God. It's going to take the Lord. So let's just truly open our heart with true, genuine repentance. By the way, I have a word for this house. This house. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move, and then I have something for you, Miles, and for your wife. But I'm just gonna move. While you're holding somebody's hand, just enjoy it. Just enjoy. Get, get used to it. We love holding hands. I mean, Arabs just love to hug, love to kiss. We're just like, we're just expressive guys. In the middle of San Francisco, we're expressive. Hallelujah. One time when I was at San Francisco State University, there were two rooms adjacent doors to each other. One was for the gays and the other was for the Palestinians, and everybody was kissing. Hallelujah. Everybody's doing it for their own different purpose. But you know what? In the body of Christ, we are a family. We are one. We are one. Heaven has declared it. It's set in motion. We are one, and nobody can separate us. God is raising his bride to declare that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord. Amen. By the way, I saw a lot of angels dance. Some people heard angels. There were angels dancing all around this area, and there were just like beautiful colors going everywhere. Um, and, and the anointing of the angels is here too, so... So I, I, while I'm standing here, I believe if you are suffering in anything, just receive by faith a miracle of healing, even without a man touching you. The hand of the Lord is here to do a miracle. By the way, I have a word for here. The Lord showed me that this ground is fertile. Uh, fertile uh, with a word. The word that God gave me is kindness. The word kindness. Just give me your attention. It's kindness. Don't let anything take that away from you. Uh, the word for this house... Uh, is highlighted with kindness. Uh, I'm going to take you a step further. I saw a fertile ground. All of it was springing forth. A little shoots of kindness. And the Lord said that my kindness shall, shall spring forth in this house. And my kindness would lead many to repentance. And then he gave me a picture. And the picture was as follows. He showed me the kindness.
this is as sweet as honey. Brent, this is going to go for you because you're the father of this house. It's going to anoint you. A, a tremendous staring of an anointing on you and your wife because you're going to carry that mantle for the season to come. And we're going to pray for him right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prepare the Arab brothers and Jews to come forward in a second and pray for them. The Lord showed me that kindness is honey. It's sweet as honey. Let's all repeat, sweet as what? Honey. honey. Unlike any other honey, this is a honey that flows from the throne room of God. It's pure honey. The honey that is there has been produced from the flower of ages. It comes from the bosom of the Son of the Most High God that is more beautiful, more fragrant than any other flower, more beautiful than any other creature or anything that has ever been created. Out of his lips comes honey. That kindness is in this house, but it has not been stirred up yet. It's springing up. I saw the field is ready, springing up with shoots of little coming out of the ground. Warning, a warning. Remember, fragile shoots need to be cultivated. God is bringing forth kindness like honey springing forth out of your innermost being. And it's going to happen in the element of repentance. Because the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. Can you hear me? Okay. The second vision that God gave me to this house. That kindness, brother, is a honey that has an anointing of Samson. When I say about Samson, it's the anointing of the lion. It is like Samson, but it's not Samson. It's the anointing of the lion, which is one of the four that circles the throne room of God. The lion is upon you and upon this house. That anointing will break asunder the mouth of those lions around. And out of that, out of the lions that fights you and this body and the body of Christ, Will you see honey spring forth? Out of the devourer, honey will come forth. Another vision I saw. That anointing, I said, it is like Samson. Be with me. Because it's the Lord's anointing that needs to be guarded. And I saw that if it is cultivated in the right way, you will be able in this house to carry on your shoulder the gates of your enemy miles and expose the walls of the enemies that there will be no one to protect them. Anointing will bring the cities to him. That's why as God called you as a as a, as a, a tip of the sword to run with 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 all the, the gatekeepers in this area. I want to say this why the Lord has chosen we ask ourselves why. Because unlike Samson, you have a spirit of humility. And that will take you miles. Just keep holding to the spirit of humility, cultivating kindness, acts of mercy that is based on a spirit of humility and spirit of repentance that comes from the throne room of God that would activate the honey that you will be able to eat from the mouth of your enemy. And not only that, but to destroy the gates of your enemy and carry it on your shoulder to miles because of the spirit of humility that will be upon you, says the Lord. Could you hold somebody's hand lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Don't clap for me, just give the Lord praise for that. Father, I just speak, your presence will continue to flow right now. Will flow. 
the kindness of the Lord. Just continue to activate that. Father, fill me with your kindness. I repent. Repent of every sin. I'm telling you, repent of every haughty spirit, every sin. No more in the flesh. You, you shall move. Not in this house. God will not allow the flesh to rise in this house. Whatever you do, you will do in the name of the Lord. Whatever you speak, you speak in the name of the Lord. You speak out of kindness, not looking for any praises of man, but looking to satisfy the heart of the Most High God, from which His mouth flows honey. I want you to come face to face with that, so that you would receive that word inside of your heart, and inside of your heart will stem out of that word, healing beyond measure. The Lord says, they will hear, but they chose, they will hear, but they will not understand. They will see, but they will not comprehend. Why? Their hearts are hardened. But not in this house. Say, God, I want to be healed. Therefore, open my ears that I would be not like, like Samson full of pride, but I will be exemplify the humility of the Son of God as a Lamb of God in acts of kindness that leads to repentance. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just say, let it go, Father. Let your breath breathe. Just receive it. Just receive it. Let your breath breathe right now upon the land, the fertile land. Let there be springing of kindness right now. Springing of kindness right now. Let there be a spirit of humility and repentance that would come right now, Father running towards the Lion of Judah who sits on the throne. To him alone we give praise. To him alone we worship. I want you to find one person stop praying for that person. Just pray an anointing, pray a miracle. Somebody, how, how many people need healing? Healing, lift your hands. You see those hands? You pray for somebody, God will anoint you for healing. Just pray for somebody. Pray for somebody. We're going to just, I'm going to give you one minute. Go for it. One minute.
Don't doubt it. Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Brother Pastor and his wife to come. We're seeing a lot of movements there. And can I ask the Arab brothers, sisters, and the, and the Jews to come? Come on, come on. Come on. If you speak Arabic or you have a Jewish descent background, I want you to come. I want to lay hands on our brother. So why don't you stretch your hands? Please stretch your hands. Everybody stretch your hands. Miles, could you lead a brother? You got the anointing there. Just like, just, just lay hands. Come, come, lay hands. Lay hands. The Lord has called you not to lay hands. Don't lay hands. We don't want anything to hinder the move of the Holy Spirit in this place. says blazing fire's own place. A number of months ago, we had lunch together, Brent and I, and I, we were talking about the search for their own place. And the word that the Lord gave me for you, for this place, is that you're not looking for a place. You're looking for what's called in Hebrew, ha-makom. Ha-makom is the place. And it refers to the Holy of Holies. And in the Western Wall in Jerusalem, it's as close as we can get to pray to the place where the Holy of Holies was, where it stood for thousands of years. And so, uh, would you believe with me now that we're not looking for a place, but God is going to deliver into their hands Ha-Makom. Say that. Say Ha-Makom. The place. Father, we thank you. God, we believe you tonight that the place is waiting that the place will be revealed. And Lord, that there's nothing to fear, as the ad said, nothing to worry about. The road is easy, leading to Ha-Makom, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big one. say that, but I know this is my family too. 
praise God for 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 um, Miles um, and his wife. They are like fresh breath to me. I mean, think about it. Let me just tell you a little story. Miles talks about his own version. I'd like to talk about my own version. <laughs> it's about time, <laughs> and I need to confess that. Listen to this. Have you ever heard? of a Jew seeking an Arab. Think about it. It's unheard of. A Jew seeking an Arab to find an Arab. Without him knowing that, he was moving at a prophetic anointing because I wasn't looking for him. I was in Cindy Jacobs' meeting, also not knowing why I was there. And all of a sudden, I hear this guy coming across the line trying to find out who I am. And then he said, I found you. I've heard about you for a while, but now I found you. I'll tell you what, that's a prophetic anointing. God will start raising us to seek those that have been lost and those that are far and those that are totally different than us. And that's the anointing that God has put upon our brother. He's a seeker. He's a reconciler. When he stands and shares with you, he wasn't just sharing just to itch your ear. That's who he is. That's who he and his wife is. Matter of fact, that was the first time we connected. He hasn't let me go since then. I mean, honestly, I don't call and say, hey, let's do this. He just, out of a sudden, he just calls, hey, bro, we have to do this together. Okay? I'm with you. You have to go. Okay, I'm... So in other words, it's wonderful for me for a change to see that somebody from a Jewish background, I mean, by the way, I want to tell you who I am. Matter of fact, you probably don't know. I was born in Haifa, I'm Palestinian. My family are pure Palestinians. I was born in the Holy Land. And, um, and when I was one year old, my family moved to Lebanon. I've never seen Haifa until I was 40 years old. But I'll tell you what, I have a blessing to tell you. God, God came and broke a lot of the hatred in my heart. Because we always drank the milk of hatred without even knowing. I've never seen a Jew in my life. But I know one thing. I don't know if this would, this would even be theologically right. I'm not really sure. Just flow with me. Let me ask you this. If a rabbi circumcised a, a Palestinian, does that make a Palestinian a Jew or not? I don't know. Maybe there's an anointing on the eighth day. I was circumcised by a rabbi. And uh, at the age of 16, I came to know the Savior of my soul, which is Jesus. And now, I mean... Yes, I've moved into reconciliation earlier years, but it wasn't like the main issue. But lately, since Miles and, and his wife Catherine's been kind to kind of like pursue something that seemed like God is really birthing deep inside of his heart, and he's unveiling it inside of my heart, I feel there's a message that really literally has to rise us up or raise us up to a level where we're not going to flow with the mundane we got to be able to really have the courage to reach out into territories we've never reached out. We need to sail into like waters, uncharted waters that we've never been in. We need to be at a place of total, total surrender in weaknesses to the Lord. Because if you think you've figured it out, and you think that you have the handle of the steering wheel, I'll tell you you've missed it. You've got to let go and let him do that. And amazingly, it comes with a price. The price is that you are always misunderstood. You're always judged. You're always criticized. It's okay if nobody believes in you. And every now and then, like Buzz, pops up and believes in you. You know what? It's okay if people don't believe in you. As long as you know that you have a you have the call of God upon your life, and don't let anyone take that from you. How many of you believe you have the call of God upon your life? And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying, I should explain what I say by the call of God. I'm not saying that you need to leave your job 
can be full-time and take uh, Pastor Brent's position. I'm not saying that. Because everybody wants the pulpit for some reason. I don't know why. We try to run away from it. God brings us back here. No. Just be anointed in the sphere of your influence. You are a minister of the gospel, whatever God puts you. Do a good job of it. Let your king be happy that you're doing faithfully where he placed you. Because that's where the anointing is. You're anointed in the marketplace. You're anointed at home if you're a housewife. You're anointed at school if you're attending school. You're anointed wherever God has planted you. I'll tell you what. Just be planted and bear fruit for the kingdom of glory, for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And so I'm just really, I want to say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you, you and your wife, for, you know, I love you guys, and and, um, and may the Lord unfold how we can strengthen one another along this journey. Yes. Amen. Let's go to the Word of God real quick. How many of you would love for the Word of God? Can you take the Bible? Anybody has a Bible here? Let me see how good you are as students. All right, let's stand up. In our church, we put the Bible on our head. That's a prophetic act. Some people say, why do you do that? I said, well, figure it out. We do that because we are declaring prophetically that our authority in our life and everything that pertains to us, we bow down to the lordship of God's word. God's word is above any other law, anything. So there, Father, I just pray that your anointing as we do a prophetic act of lifting the Word of God, we just pray that our hearts will bow to the Word. Our hearts will increase with love for the Word. Our hearts will, Lord, turn towards the Word of God, and the Word of God will be preeminent, will be the sole bread for which we live. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for entrusting us with your word. Thank you for the anointing and the spirit of the Holy Spirit upon your word. Thank you that we live and move and have our being through you because you are the word of the Most High God. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Open with me, please, uh, to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. I'm just going to read quick. I'm just going to kind of like be sensitive to the time because I'm going to give Laz a chance to come up. But let me just give you some nuggets. I'm just going to give you some nuggets in here. Uh, the chapter 4, it starts with verse 19. <clears throat> My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. We see the heart of the Holy Spirit inside of Paul. Paul is saying that you are my children. In other words, he, he's standing as the father towards the Galatian church. He's saying, you know, I want to tell you one thing, Galatian church, or believers, that I am going through travailing, not only for the first time, but for the second time, which is very abnormal. It's unnatural. Because he already begotten them by the gospel of Jesus, and they believed, and they grew. But then later on, they start turning back from grace and from faith back to the law. And so he cries again, a cry that is very unnatural, but in the spiritual realm is very natural. He says to them this, he said, I as a father... I who has begotten you, you are my children, and as a father, I'm travailing, I'm in pain, so that Christ will be formed in you. That is the cry of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, that Paul is echoing throughout the ages, that Christ will be formed in you, and that all we can see is Christ, being, you being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So that is the introduction of Paul coming to the Galatian, is that he's travailing, he's in a spiritual warfare, he's in intercession, he's in prayer in order for the Word of God to take its preeminence in the hearts of the believers, and that 
who you desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman, which is Hagar, was born according to the flesh. And he of the free woman was born according to the promise. So I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to give it to you real quick. You can write it down. I'm not going to go deep into it because that's a long study. There are contrasts in the scripture that shows you two different paradigm shifting. Two tracks. Two tracks. In other words, two different things that are somewhat against one another and opposing forces. And Paul is addressing these issues by taking a symbolic or taking, you know, what the accounts of the Old Testament and bringing it as an example, symbolism, to the body of Christ. And he's trying to show them that they need to really understand that there are two tracks and they need to be aware unless they fall in the wrong track. Are you with me? Amen? So the first thing that he considers the contrast is, uh, uh, is, is what we see here in that scripture 20, um, 23. Is that there's something according to the promise which happened to Sarah, and there's something according to the flesh, which happens to Hagar. He's giving the examples. He's not saying this is better than the other. He's not putting a person against a person. He's saying, listen to the symbolism. Are you with me? We need to be able to draw out of the Word of God the Spirit of the Lord, rather than formulating our own ideas and discriminating people all around the globe. Are you with me? Are you with me? Wow, we need them to wake up a little bit. I'll have you stand up and do this in a second. God does not want you to take the word of God and turn it and twist it to satisfy your own ideas. We got to twist our life in humility in order to subscribe to the word of God and all of us have to bow down to the word of God and let the word of God be the truth and everybody will be alive. That is why the church, that is why the church needs to start breaking through into really hard territories. Unless we understand the truth, we will always be in darkness. The Bible says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Matter of fact, when you are free, you're able to set everybody free. If you're not free, you're no way going to set anybody free. You're going to create disciples in your own image. By the way, monkeys begot monkeys. Are you with me? And bananas begot bananas. And people in the flesh begot believers in the flesh. And people that have tread into the territories that few dare to go in. It's that to grab hold the spirit of the Heavenly Father. will be able to raise up disciples that will change the world. That's why Jesus was not caught with multitudes. He was caught with 12 men that were willing to go as far as he desires. And with 12 men, he was willing to change the world. Excluding one. To show us that sometimes we will end up having the wrong person there. Or somebody of Satan. Not to be surprised. So here we see the contrast between real faith that's based on the promise of God, where Sarah would birth by the mandate of heaven, a miracle of all miracles. Not because she's more special, but because God predestined to show us something that's burning in his heart. That God is able to take the impossible and do wonders with it. So he chose somebody like Abraham who's a nobody. And we made an idol of him. And therefore we're striving to be like Abraham. No, God is looking for the nobodies. Look at somebody says, God's looking for the nobodies. God is looking for the weak. God is looking for the trash. Somebody's come and say, God, I mount up to nothing. Would you use a garbage can like me? That's what I told the Lord at one time. I said, Lord, I don't even know how to speak. 
surprised? Because I'm not standing in front of you. I'm standing in the presence of my king. Are you with me? So the contrast of real faith that's based on the promise versus the contrast, on the other hand, of the works that's based on the flesh. And God said, I only choose that which is based on my promise. Therefore, what we learn from it, let's say what we learn from God wants the body of Christ to really believe that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Do not try by your own power to make things happen. Come to your knees and bow down and yield for the Lord to take you to episodes or to to, to levels and mountains and, and places that you've never, to glory you've never seen before. If you learn the art of surrender, that took Abraham probably hundred years to do it. But now we have the Holy Spirit. We can do it. Because the Lord made a way through the cross. Number two. Number two contrast. It's a principle for all. Paul shows that the system of grace and law cannot coexist together as principles in our lives. One of them has to die and the other has to live. Let's go to the next verse there. Time to be sensitive here to go to as far as fast as the Lord's put. Verse 22, 24, let's say, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants. Let's all say the two covenants. Matter of fact, they are covenants. Which one are we going to subscribe to? Which one are we going to yield to? The one that's from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage? Which is Hagar? For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is. They're all one. Listen to this. Which covenant? The word covenant here. that sets the rules for our relationship with God. It's a blood-binding contract that sets the rules where you're going to be next in your journey. Remember, when you sign the wrong contract, you're bound by that contract. And God is saying that there's a covenant that is set from up high, from heavenly realms, where it's the blood of His Son And God is saying, go back to that contract and do not substitute it with any other contract. That's why we got to humble ourselves. For it says here, which things are symbolic? For these are two covenants. One from Sinai is called bondage. That first contract or covenant will lead to bondage is the bondage of the flesh, which is of Hagar. And Mount Sinai in Arabia. And then he adds something. That Mount Sinai corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. If you look at the things in the physical realm, you will live in bondage. Because I'll tell you what, if I have to look to all the news that I hear, and subscribe to that, and start saying, ah, I like the Palestinians more than the Jews. No, no, the Jews are more. And if I get into that battle of the ages, I would fall into a covenant of destruction called bondage, and I'm slave to it because all my body, all my spirit, all my emotions, everything in me is totally submitted to that covenant that's based on the flesh and it's not lasting. And therefore, whatever comes out of me is what's inside of me, and if what's inside of me is bondage, then I'm going to pass the message of bondage to the whole world, and that's why the body of Christ is fractured over each other. Some are with this and some are with that, not knowing like, look what God is doing. God brings two people that say, hey, enough is enough. There's something called one new man, and that is Jesus. We've got to start believing. 
ask you, which is the mother of us all? Read the scripture. The mother of us all. Let me ask you, who's your mother? Let me say, so who's your daddy? We know who your daddy is. But who's your mother? Come on, who is your mother? Look at someone says, who's your mother? I gotta know. Today, I gotta know. Who's your mother? Is it Hagar? Or is it Sarah? Is it the promise? Or is it the flesh? By the way, I'm not talking in the physical realm. I'm not saying, oh, let's ask the whole descendants of Hagar. No, she's a mother of both. The seeds that are birthed out of Abraham, whether the free or whether the bondage, both of them in Christ would be subscribing to a mother that's above. Everybody has to look up. Those that are slaves and those that are of the promise, they have to look up to another mother that comes from heavenly abode. It's called New Jerusalem. Hallelujah. God wants us to come up. Come up. And what I'm doing is I'm taking a step. Come up. Come up from bondage. Come up into freedom. Come in into New Jerusalem. Come, let's change the world with a message that both the Jews and the Arabs, or the Gentiles and the Jews, would come together and find out that they can subscribe to a mother that's from above. And that is freedom from everything. Freedom that would change everything in our lives. Then Paul continues to go. Verse 45. Uh, then this is for 27. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children. Let's all say many more. So the contrast between having many and having many more. Let me ask you this. How many of you would like to have many? <laughs> gotcha. How many of you would like to have many more? Hallelujah. Many more. Let's all say many more. The contrast between having that much, which is many, okay, but having many more. If you want many more, right there. That's right there. The contrast between the two. Number four. Go to verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as he was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. The contrast between being persecuted and persecute. That's the contrast between persecuted, those that are in the Spirit, according to the promise, Verse, those that are in the flesh will persecute. It is made that way. There are two covenants that fight against each other. And God is asking us to make a stand. On which side do we want to stand? Just like Joshua came out and says, Are you, are you the, the angels, are the angels of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, are you on our side? Are you on their side? What did he say? You know what he said? I love what he said. I'm on neither side. I'm on the side of the Lord. And what Joshua did is bow down. He said, I am on your side, Lord. God is asking you to really jump into the side of the Lord. He's not going to side with your issues. That's why I believe when Miles, I'll give you the example. When Miles is reaching out to me, I'm not just like, oh, you know, it's going to make us famous. I'm not worried about that, that by the way. Oh, we're going to make us famous Jew and Arab. going to itch the ears of the body of Christ and everybody's going to invite us. We stand in the fear of the Lord here. We have no issues about that. One thing I believe, I love what you said. It's about our relationship. It's about our relationship. When last time me and I sat down, we knelt down, we prayed for one another, we loved on one another, we encouraged one another. If I can see this brother shoot as an arrow, in the heart of darkness and see millions of people come to the Lord as if I finished the race. It's like me. we got to come to a place where I'm willing to lay my down, my life for him. He's willing to lay his down, his life for me. And therefore, Jesus would be known because of the love that we have for one another. The Palestinians are going to be stunned or the Arabic world is going to be shocked 
thinking that I became a Zionist, and maybe the Jew is going to think that this guy has forfeited his, his race and his people, which is in no way. I love the Palestinians and the, and the Arabic world. That's why I minister among them, and I want them all to come. Lord, by the way, there are miracles that are happening in the Muslim world that it's just like it itches your ears. It's like, wow. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Can I give an example, brother? Okay. My life, like me to share stories. There's a lot of stories of miracles. There's a guy, his name is Father Zechariah from, from, from Egypt. The Arabs know about him. He's on the, on the, on the internet. He's on the air a lot. He's a, he, he was in Egypt um, uh, all his life, and he was a Coptic priest. And every time he stepped out of the monastery to share the gospel, the Lord will say to him, no, no, go back. Go back into the library. Why? Well, in the library, there are hundreds and thousands of Islamic books and the Lord said to him, I want you to study. I want you to study. Every time he stepped out to do ministry, the Holy Spirit would convict him, go back inside. For 70 years, he was locked in a library studying. At the age of 70, after his brother was killed in Egypt, he came to the United States of America. It was just like God letting loose a lion. After 14 centuries of Islamic domination, by the way, I want to explain this. We love the Muslims. Matter of fact, we have Khalida here. She's from a Muslim background, and she knows the Lord. She's on fire. We love the Muslims. Are you with me? But when we think about Islam and any other religions that bring bondages to people, we're totally adamant because we believe there's only one that can set people free, and that's the name of Jesus. And we will not apologize for that. Matter of fact, we love the world, but we only will preach Jesus. So this man came out like a lion came on the, on, the, on the internet and started preaching the gospel, unfolding what Islam is all about from their own books, asking questions, what about this one? He just literally uncovered the dark veil of the reality of Islam that's hiding behind this veil. Are you with me? He just uncovered it. His head is asked for $20 million. If you find him and you kill him, you get $20 million. I mean, the guy totally came out at the age of 70 like a lion. We say, in the Arabic world, we say he's the apostle Paul of our age. Why? Because for 14 centuries, nobody was able to stand in the face of this monstrous move of Islam. Except this guy stood. And he gave passion stirred up the fire of many Muslims to rise up and declare the faith of Jesus, those that are converted, and nobody is afraid to die. They're all going forth for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you the statistics. Let me give you the Let's just give praise to the Lord after the statistics. In three years of preaching the gospel, 20 million people have come to know, from the Muslim world, have come to know Jesus Christ. Listen, 6 million of those people are registered their names. The rest are in hiding. But I'll tell you what, what's happening. There's something that's brewing. That's why when you look at the news, you know, evil's going to increase. But you know what? My warning to you and I, if you keep your eyes and your ears tuned to the evil, you, your ship is going to start sinking with discouragement and defeat, with fear and complexity and, and, and being always afraid to get into a market lest something will happen. I'll tell you what, you've got to determine to keep your eyes on what Jesus is doing rather than what Satan is doing. By the way, how many of you believe that Jesus is greater than Satan? Come on. This one man has ushered, that's just one testimony of many testimonies that are happening worldwide. And we've got to be fine-tuned to what God's kingdom is doing at this hour as the gospel is being preached everywhere by the millions. By the way, in China right now, there's a million and a half Chinese or from the Asian world are being, um, uh, are being uh, uh, trained to go on mission to the 1040 window million and a half. Can you imagine if, if a group of people go on a weekly basis, they cover the year, by thousands of people will go in there. In the Korean, now I'm dealing with the Korean. The Korean and America, they have intercity, which is back to Jerusalem. They're so passionate about going to the Middle East and preach the gospel. They go to Syria, they go to Israel, they go to the Palestinian areas, they go to Iraq, they go to the most dangerous places with no language, no understanding of the culture, Totally they look different, as you know, Asians look different than the Middle Eastern. But 
good news for you. More of the Muslim world experienced supernatural manifestation of dreams and life, manifestation of Jesus, the appearance of Jesus, healing, miracles, signs and wonders, more than anybody I've ever seen on the globe of the earth. And I'm glad because the Holy Spirit is after those people and nothing's going to stop in your way. Let me give you the other thing. Definitely Israel is surrounded by a lot of, lot of pressure. But we got to pray that God will continue, not only to do what he wants to do in the Arabian world, but us as Arabs also, that have committed our lives to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we feel in debt to go back and to love the Jewish people and pray for them, that God will anoint them again and raise them up from ashes so they will spread the gospel throughout the Middle East. And I believe that will happen. So the fourth contrast here is the persecuted versus the persecuting. And the contrast between keeping and casting out. Now I'm going to close with this. Verse 29. But as he who was born persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so even now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children. Brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. But let me give this to you, and I'm going to close with this. We are heirs. That means they are people that will inherit and people that will not inherit within the body of Christ. People that are following the, 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 the covenant of the promise of God based on the Spirit of God versus people that are trying to do it by the flesh. They will forfeit the inheritance. Matter of fact, I have to tell you this. There are two spirits that are highlighted here. The spirit of rejection. That's you, you like this part. The spirit of rejection on one side and the spirit of persecution on another side. The spirit of rejection was set in motion, but we are to repent and we are to welcome back the Ishmaelites to the new covenant, but we are not to welcome their slavery. When Abraham told, he had to tell, because that was the plan of God, he had to tell Hagar to leave. Hagar and her son all of a sudden received the spirit of rejection. I have the news for you. The Middle Eastern Arabs, they are speaking on behalf of millions, without any doubt. They are totally under the cloak of rejection. Not only from the Jews, but from the Christians all over the world. They sense it through the broadcasting, through the preaching, through the pointing, through the criticism. There's a spirit of rejection. I'll tell you what, we can make a difference. We can turn around and do what my brother did for me. He sought me and he embraced me. Even though we're of the same covenant, I believe in Jesus, he believes in Jesus. But you know what? It will be more powerful if we cross the boundaries and start loving the people but rejecting their slavery. We don't want to be receiving the baby with their dirty water. We want to receive the baby and pray and love, but yet we want to reject the bond of slavery that have cloaked them. And that's what happened to our sister Yichalida. When she came to the Lord, I speak her in her testimony point. When she came to the Lord, she moved into a house with an American woman who loved her like her own daughter. And Khalida was not an easy person to get along with. She felt the spirit of rejection and she just like totally was very, very adamant about it. But I'll tell you what, that mother, bless her heart, she's an American woman. She lives way in the boonies. She kept loving her. She kept receiving her. She kept praying for her. And she kept preaching the gospel to her. And Khalida now is changing the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That spirit of rejection is broken. I'll tell you what.